friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my special forces friend and broken man who's now a widow and really sad, but has these really kind of cool baby doll eyeballs and co-host, Alex Dandino. <laughs> Sorry, you getting I just went for it. I just started... <laughs> I just started saying things. All right, guys, forgive me in advance. I am a little under the weather. Uh, you know, Midwestern winters. What are you going to do? Uh, so we are here again, the pod uh, stuffing your stockings. That's what we do every December. We let our fans pick which movies they would like to hear covered. Uh, and this year we got some really good submissions. You guys can still submit to the show. Wherever you find us on social media, at Film Alchemist 1 on Twitter, Wherever you find us, send us a suggestion of a movie you would like to hear us talk about, and we're going to do our damnedest to get to as many as we can. Uh, also, if you're listening to the pod, please take a second, leave us a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. That helps us a ton. And go subscribe to our YouTube channel, Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end. So you can see our lovely faces to match our uh, sensual voices. No movie is too weird. Last year we watched Taxidermia, so I'm pretty much all better. And R100. That's probably our weirdest fan submission of all time. If you've never seen R100. Thank you, Bean Brugger. (laughs) Jump in. All right. Well, today, uh, friend of the show on Twitter, we had a really good suggestion. Um, Twitter handle was Ivan the Boneless. It's at Kadeem, K-A-D-E-E-M underscore 96. Really nice guy, uh, has lots of interesting stuff about movies he's watching and comics he's been reading this year. Follow him, good follow. He submitted to us, I Saw the Devil. Woo! I fucking love this movie and was super pleased to get a chance to add it to our list uh, at this point, right? Who knows how long it would have taken us to get to a theme with I Kill the Devil, but here we are. Alex, walk me through your initial impressions on I Saw the Devil. I saw the devil is um, excellent. That's my initial impression. But fucking uh, stellar. This is the cool thing. Uh, I've I I like a lot of Korean filmmakers. I've watched a lot of Korean films, particularly because of this show, but also just in general. Those are the kinds of things. Like, I feel like there's a lot of great Korean filmmaking going on that gets overlooked simply because we don't get it out here very often. Like mm-hmm. we get like the big flare ups, but when you find these kinds of movies and like I saw the devil was released stateside, but when you get these kinds of movies, it's really, really, really a big treat. And the thing that I love the most about Korean filmmaking is I think they actually know much better about revenge and so on and so forth than any American filmmaker could ever muster. The, 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 Every time I watch a Korean film, the story of revenge, the completion of the revenge, the need for vengeance is so great and so cool. Like the emotions are running so intensely. And then on top of that, I mean, you just have like like bone crushing action, like things that are pushing the envelope so far to the point. Like this movie, did you know, even in Korea, this movie had to get recut like. Yeah, I'm not surprised. It's fucking brutal. Apparently, apparently it was so violent the first time, like, the Korean film board would not put it out in theaters. They're like, you have to recut this movie. Just off the top of my head, there were probably at least four scenes where I fucking had to turn my eyes away for a split second. Oh, absolutely. 1,000%. Yeah. No, what I... 
<clears throat> I don't know if I agree that no American can ever muster revenge properly, but I what I, I do like I didn't the say way properly, I said they do it way better. There is something magical about the way Korean revenge, it just, it kind of, you sit and stew a little more. I feel like some of our revenge is a little, you John, know, kind of buff well, action guy. I believe the word you're looking for is John Wickie-ish. Yeah, and John Wick's a fucking phenomenal all-time film. Absolutely. But if I'm being 100% honest, I don't feel a lot when I'm watching that other than, damn, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we get a lot of those over here. We do have really good revenge films as well, right? We do, absolutely. But, <laughs> and this one, again, way on the top of the heap of any revenge movie ever. So not the measure. I mean, it is kind of a measuring stick. Uh, the way I look at this movie to me, right? I think this movie is a really good condensed kind of version of old boy without some of the surreal aspects, right? right? Even having seen old boy multiple times in my life, the whole plot, right? And the kind of plan as it were in that movie is still hard to get my head around at times, right? Phenomenal. It, it kind of plays like this revenge fairy tale. This movie on the other hand is so straightforward and fucking brutal. And the thing about this movie that is truly astounding to me is that they always find a way to drag me, the viewer, lower. It fucking blows my mind. Because <laughs> there are points in this movie where something happens and you just go, holy shit, this, I mean, that's the worst thing that I'm going to see in this movie. No, it's not. It yeah. just keeps going. And I love the way this film becomes a really interesting kind of Frankenstein allegory too, right? Where... Once something like this happens, right? The movie spends a lot of time discussing how people become these monsters. And I think that is where a lot of the magic happens. How so? so Speak on that. Right. So other than just, there are movies where we just pop in, right? And let's say you have something like uh, Friday the 13th, right? Right. This guy is just a monster. He's a murderer, right? We do like a, oh, well, he was drowned in a lake when he was a kid. All right. You you did like the basic, you wrote like an elevator pitch of like what his madness is, right? But essentially, he's a killer. Right. Michael Myers, he's just a supernatural killer. Uh, John Wick was just an assassin. This movie takes some time. And not only do we spend time with uh, our main character, right? Watching his descent. He's a, a moral, upstanding Member of society, he contributes, he's part of a family, he's starting his own life and venture. Watching his descent to madness is fucking staggeringly devastating, right? As you're just watching this man get taken apart. And the movie spends so much time pausing with him. Every time we watch another little bit of his humanity get hacked apart. Right. Where all of a sudden we're watching this kind of come full circle. And they do a great job of mixing him with the other killers we see in the movie. And through their dialogue, you start to get a little hint of who they were before they became monstrous. Right. So one of the things I noted, right, it, uh, this kind of re- has a serial killer vibe too, right, with Cole. In American <coughs> movies and TV about serial killers, I feel like we focus a lot more on the the sexual deviance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is kind of a, a power thing or... Right. Mom traumatized us sexually, whatever. This one focuses a lot more on 
people who feel marginalized and overlooked and powerless. Right. Lashing out at the system in the most grotesque ways they can. And so I think by taking away that, oh, it's just a sexual default genetically, it it has to spend more time showing us how these monsters are built and not born. And I think that's a really cool uh, headspace to dive into with this one. It is. I think, yeah, you're on, you're definitely on to something. I think that, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do, again, like, again, uh, culturally, it's just very different. I, I mean, I think the reason we focus so much on sexual deviance and, uh, like sexual crime and that kind of stuff in American films, particularly in this regard, like this sort of storytelling is because we're from a puritanical society. So sex is still very shocking <laughs> to all of us. Yeah, um, for sure. Like I think and that, also that might be closer to the true psychology. Sure. But this is, this but, is filmmaking. You can go whichever way you want. Right. Of course. I think like, it, 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 but we all sort of like, again, we all sort of come from the same, uh, I would say cultural primordial ooze where, you know, you look at something and you're like, oh, wow, that is a frightening thought. Oh, wow, that's even more frightening because there's a sexual element to it. I think perhaps maybe not focusing on that and really giving these characters room to breathe that isn't necessarily a sexual aspect, but much more just like, look how brutal and terrible these people are. Like, they're willing to, like, go to this level to be acknowledged. Like, that's what I think is the yeah. true terror. That's the real, like, f that's the real, like, fright of the whole uh beginning of this movie is that this is the yeah. this is the willingness of brutality and that's like the really scary thing uh that's the really scary thing at the very beginning of this movie with the uh like the assault in the car that that's yeah just, like that's just terrifying to me yeah i mean what it does too is it this movie brilliantly depicts these ultra grotesque human beings and acts with a banality <laughs> that makes it <laughs> makes it feel very built into the world we live in, right? Right. So the opening, we start with this kind of brilliant POV of a, a rear view mirror with little angel wings. We're driving through snow, right? Innocent. Snow comes down. It's white. It's pure. It's covering up all the sins of the world, right? right it's a beautiful right. moment. By the time the car stops, now all of a sudden, we're, oh, fuck. We just spent two minutes driving through this wonderland in the POV of the fucking murderer. <laughs> So right away, the movie's telling us you are going to be spending time uh, looking at this from the point of view of people that you find monstrous. Right. It's a right. it's a quick way for the movie to submarine and subvert our expectations. Totally. And and just build these monsters in and just look at the way he even attacks the lady. Right. So she's on the phone talking to her husband. Kind of the banal common talk that we all have with our wives. Right. Right. Or husbands. He comes up and why does he pretend to check the tire? Right. He's trying to lure her into the van. Right. Make it easy on himself. And I, I started to think about that. Why does he do that? Because later when he attacks the car, even when he comes back, she has the lights off. She turns him on. He's on the passenger side and he smashes her windshield before he comes to her driver's side to get her. Right. So there is this theatrical nature of. He's got to do this performative transformation into monster, right? Right. And that's kind of that's kind of his kick and his fetish is I think he does the your tires flat, I'll take you into town thing. I think this is a a way for him to try to kind of lie to himself almost. To make himself a hero in his own story. Sure. And it's only on a 
a small level. I don't think a guy like this can ever fully lie to himself. No, but no. why put the extra effort in? She's already out alone. He could have just attacked that first second. Right. Well, I mean, I think like from that perspective, I think psychologically from the character's perspective, you're totally on point. I think from a filmmaking perspective, obviously, it's the um, like we know something's amiss when we start the POV or at least when we when it's revealed that it's uh, that it's mm. uh, who's uh, Choi Min Sik. Is that the actor's name? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, the guy from Old Boy. Um, God, when he's we, so fucking good in this. When, when no, we Min Sik Choi. Min, Min Sik Choi. Thank you very much. Uh, so. When we reveal that it's him, like, we already know something's amiss. And then it's, I'll tell you what it is. It's when he knocks on the window, he tells, like, he says, hey, if tire's flat, so on and so forth. And she's like, well, that's fine. And he's like, you're really, like, you're, you know, you're really, your car's really sinking. She's like, it's fine. I'll just wait for a tow truck. And she pulls up the window and he, like, holds that beat and smiles mm. real quick. That's yeah. like, that to me, I was like, this is like fucking, this is like probably what people who experience Zodiac were like that lady out on the road. Like that's like that level of serial yes. killer where that's like the flip. And that was the part that I was like, Oh shit. Right. And that's, this is what this movie does a little differently that I love, which is by rolling up that window and not acknowledging him immediately as an equal. Right. Right. Which is totally justified. Right. Especially after watching this movie, never pick people up on the side of the road. 1, never trust anyone. Right. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> but that window shot, right? It's her putting up a physical barrier. Right. I want to be separated from you. In a way, she's looking down on him in his mind, right? And the smile he has is, ah, you've granted me permission to cleanse you. You are a bad person right. who is worthy of being a target of my assault. And it's so fuck. I mean, the brutality of just the hammer blows and the way he kind of pauses. There's a shot. When he looks at her oh my and there's God, just yeah. a tear in her eye and this blood streak that runs down her face. And I was like, that's that's what we talk about on this show. It's alchemy, right? Whether you plan this out or it's just kind of that magical things just started to drip the right way. It's just pure magic. It's a fucking lovely shot in the most terrifying circumstance. Totally. And I think that is the weird duality of this movie a lot is how beautifully fucking shot this movie is. But we're also repulsed constantly. And I'm one of those guys, too. There are two things in movies I'll never get tired of seeing. And one is bloody snow. And two are characters staring at themselves in a mirror. Yeah. Anytime that's in a movie, I'm all the way in. But what I think this movie does, too, another layer they add is when he takes her back to the shack, right? We cut from that beautiful bloody snow shot to the ugliest set in the movie, which is just this kind of meat room. Right. And we cut to her wrapped in this bag, you know, naked, and she's still fucking alive. She's still alive. Oh, God. And when he pulls the the thing back and kind of pulls her arm out and ties her to the wall, he's just kind of casually smoking this cigarette yeah. in a way that just looks like guy, like we used to work in art department and, you know, do heavy slog lifting and shit. And you just see us like, oh, fuck, and you're just having a cigarette, like anything to take your mind off what the shitty work you're doing. Right, right. That's what he's doing, right? There's no kind of sexual mania. There's he's no, not on the power There's no trip. joy in it. It's labor. Yeah, it's just work. Yeah. And that's what this scene adds on top of it is the first scene is kind of this cinematic assault, right? This power. He's hitting things with a hammer. The second is just, man, this is a lot of effort. I got to clean this up. I got a hose off the floor. Totally. He's chopping the meat and it's just, it looks like a shitload of labor. And when he's done, he takes his coat off and just 
<sighs> and there's a, a casualness to that that is so extra terrifying. Oh, it's horrible. When you watch it. And the, the movie obviously goes a little more off the rails towards the end. But just the, the casual matter-of-factness that this is just happening in a civilized society, it's horrendous. Well, I mean, it's just fucking horrendous. Well, and it's interesting, like, we were talking about this before the show, but, like, the civilized society that we think we see is such a facade as, like, the movie continues on. Right. We're all, like, sitting there. Like, I I mean, watching it last, watching it the other day, like, I was just like, what's, is there anything good happening in Korea right now? Like, everything seems <laughs> terrible. Like, this is yeah. awful. Like, yeah, well, the thing crazy. they pair with it, too, which is really fucked up, is, uh, when you see the frenzy of reporters. Yeah. Like when they find her head, there's this just haunting ghostly shot of her head floating up in the river. Right. And you see these people with cameras just running towards that fucking head. Right. And again, that's another moment for us. The audience like, Oh God, that's us right now. Yeah. Like we're here for the fucking show. The same as they are. And you just watch this man, this, this, you know, her father, her husband sitting there and their worlds are falling apart right and just the sadness hitting them yeah and and just watching that fucking feeding for no one's running to them to console them or comfort them or make it better they're just here to take their fucking the last piece that she has to be taken from her yeah and it's again it's it's matching the horrendous act we saw of a monster with this act that we all kind of take for granted, right? Just this horrific news cycle, you know, murder and tragedy sells and just showing us, man, there's just the roots of this shit everywhere. Yeah. totally. It's really, it's, it's rough, man. It's, it's the problem with this movie is that, <laughs> and you could say the movie's release valve, right? It's one of those movies. It's not Manchester by the sea levels of just fucking merciless depression. No, <laughs> Because at least this guy gets some fucking arm snaps and beatdowns. Right. But I would argue not enough. Well, like, it's it's a really hard movie to sit in because it constantly just makes you. This is something else that happens constantly in the movie is every time Cole is out and about. Yeah. He just is such a it's such a terrifying character that he turns in. Totally. It's so fucking scary to watch him be in any space with any character, right? Because there's almost no scene with him where he's not sitting in a space with a character and you're like, you're you're terrified someone's about to get murdered. Oh, yeah. I, that's the thing to think. That's a, this weird, like, sense of dread that happened the entire movie. Like, anytime we were with uh, the agent, the secret agent, the fiance, I knew something was going to happen, but he would be the only one in control of it. I think that was, like, the crazy thing. Whenever... Uh, Whenever Cole was the one who was sort of like going through this, I assumed everyone in the room was going to die at some point. Like there was yeah, just, right? <laughs> like 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 that scene in the cab. Like I was just like, what's like it just happened so quickly. And you're like, dude, like that was the scene where I was just like, I don't think anyone in this movie is a good person. Like everyone in this movie is awful. Well, I mean, there's just scenes like he just picks that lady up at night. Yeah. Right get in the van and then he just stops and he just kind of does that. Are you fucking with me? You think you're better? And just brains her with the fucking yeah. pipe. Yeah. Grotesque. We cut to a guillotine. The next time we see him around human beings, he's at a school picking up a van full of children. It's fuck. It's fucking insane. 
It's horrendous. And he becomes more and more unsettled as the movie progresses to where <laughs> now you're even more. It's ramping up our own fear, right? Yeah. As Cole becomes less in control of his scenario, we know that he's looking to write the ship, right? He's going to he's gonna write this scale. Right. And it, <laughs> it just leads to scenes that are absolutely unbearable. And the fact that we're watching this guy as he's being taken apart, right? He is just getting his fucking ass beat yeah. constantly. We still are always afraid of this man. A yeah. man with a broken arm and a cut Achilles, whatever. He's still just the way he looks at other people. And he still keeps fighting back. He is this. Yeah. He's like the ne- he's terrifying like the fu- force. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very similar to how we treat serial killers in like, like it's very similar to like a Michael Myers thing. The difference is this one guy can talk and taunt people. But like yeah. literally he gets his Achilles tendon cut. I think his arm broken. Like all this horrible shit happens to him. He has to end up pooping out a tracking device like <laughs> Which, by the way, might be one of my favorite scenes in a movie at this point is just watching someone root their own, through their own shit. Um, I'm going to mark that as one of my least favorite moments in a movie ever. Gross. And then he immediately shoved it in another dude's mouth. Yeah. Was just not a fan. Not okay. <laughs> but this guy just goes, man, the whole time. Yeah. To the bitter end, by the way. Like, the absolute bitter end, he's like, I'm going to survive this. That's like... yeah. And I'm try- I was trying to figure out the psychology of that. Like that, I think was like the kind of the craziest things. Like that final, the second to final scene, like the last scene between the two of them, when he's mm-hmm. caught, like we're dead to rights. Like there's nothing going, there's nothing left, and mm-hmm. he's still there, just saying like I'm, I have no fear, I'm not, I'm not worried about this at all. Like well, that, you're, you're missing the most important part of that scene, right? Which is at the start of the scene when he gets the cigarette put out on his eyes and the screwdriver through his cheek. Right. He does start, I'm sorry. Let me live. I'll pay no, no, for I, my I, sins. No, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, that I know is like all, but I, I, that's what I was trying to figure out is like. But why does he, why does he do the show, right? Because Kim, the detective or the, the bodyguard, whatever he is, he even says, right? Oh, I bet you've heard that a hundred times. You must like that. Yeah. And in my, I was like, oh, shit, Cole's trying to give him the satisfaction that he gets before. Cole knows he's dead. Right. At this point. Totally. Why does Cole try to give him that, that last satisfaction? Well, I think it's- Why does Cole, this is the thing, is it part of a ploy, which I don't buy because there's no getting out. I think he knows that. Right. Why, why do that moment of conceding only then to turn around and be like, cut the bullshit. I don't know pain. I don't know fear. Fuck you, man. I think it's because he because he is immune to that. Like that's how he gets his rocks off, you know? I think that right. he thinks that Kim is a better man. I think that's what's happening is like he thinks he can get Kim to let him go because he thinks Kim's a better man and what is great about that scene when he like cuts the bullshit and says I have no fear, I have no pain, you have nothing. What's great is like they get on the same level and Kim literally without even saying it looks dead in the eyes and just he doesn't again the the look of the look on his face is I'm not a better man. You're done. Like we're finished. Like yeah. I I have completed my task and I'm not better than you, but I won. Like that I No, think, I mean the that the acting of that scene is just it's phenomenal. Unfucking real, right? But what <laughs> cuz that's the question the end of the movie keeps asking you with Cole, right? Is who won? And I think this 
<laughs> the the answer of this movie is no one. A fuckload oh, no. of people lost. Nobody wins in this movie. Like let's be cl- <laughs> let's be clear. Between that scene, one guy dies quickly. The other one will die slowly over many years. Yeah, I mean, well, there is this weird kind of like police element that the movie glosses over. Yeah, which is the police seemingly know exactly who's doing this for a long time. At one point, even have him in custody. Right. Like he's in the house at the crime. They know that this is partly his fault. They just let him go, and then he, you know, does the Tokyo Drift or the Korean Drift right into the. I'm gonna drag that scene. I love too when he does the Korean Drift. It grabs Cole. I was like, they cut out the next like two minutes of that scene, which is him driving through a heavily traffic area with police escort. Well, presumably Cole and him are fighting. Kind of driving, hanging out the door. I was like, I wanted to see how that one played out. <laughs> I also love the sweetest st- hard cut to there to him tied up. Like I also love the start uh, of that scene when he gets out of the uh, gets out of the car. Uh, Cole gets out of the car and just puts the cigarette in his mouth. Again, the cigarette is such a great like cue of like he doesn't give a shit. Like he's yeah, just there's no care. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Well, it's brilliant too because when the daughter first dies, one of the first scenes that we see with him and his fo- soon to be father in law. He's like, sir, you have to quit smoking. Yeah. Right. There's like, there's a reason to not smoke. He has a life and people care about you. And then as the movie goes on, Kim and Cole are both just smoking it up. Like, oh, fuck all this. <laughs> you know what I mean? right, there's right, no right. more care or concern. And so, yeah, I think the question at the core of the movie is that who won is important because. <clears throat> and I think that's the way that Cole wishes to reframe the game at the end. Right. Is that. He knows he's lost. He wants to say he won, right? Because this is part of what the movie does is, especially with Cole and the cannibal, we get this, oh, you look down on us. You think we're less. Like the cannibal, when he's about to cut that lady open, right? Because he ran out of guts. He opens his freezer full of chicks. Right. And then he has another room with live ones. I was like, God, this movie's like even just a little thing like that just thrown in there is so fucking scary. So disgusting. And we just kind of gloss over it like we're on our way to make a snack. But right as he's about to get her, right, he kind of does this, hey, you saw your sister, extra scary detail he just throws in. Yeah. If you fight, it's going to be worse. Just, you know, chill out. (laughs) And she kind of, you know, struggles a little. And he just goes, why did you look at us like we were nothing when we came to your door? You know, so we have to assume the way he captures these people is some kind of like Jehovah's Witness. We knock on doors and then if you open the door, you become prey. Right. And he knows that he's a criminal. He knows he's a cannibal and a murderer. And he knows that she should be afraid of him. Right. But in his mind, he can still justify the fact that she looked at him and prejudged him as less than. Yes. Right. Even though all of our kind of survival instincts we still have as animals are telling us, hey, this is bad. Not okay. You know, weird, creepy guy at our door. Don't do that. Something really bad about to happen. Yeah. (laughs) That's something Cole does constantly, too. Which is letting these people know that they have somehow wronged him or done bad, right? When he has the schoolgirl in the shallow grave he dug. Which is just, I can want you, why can't I want you? I can do whatever the fuck I want. And he always says his name, right? I'm Cole. But he says, do you know who the fuck you're messing with? So he's this little nothing man who's been driven to make this monster. And he's constantly shouting out his own title. right? So it's just shouting against the system... It makes sense that he can't stop or else his whole myth is done. Right. This guy can't beat him in a fight. Right. That's why coming back again to him begging Kim is so fucking strange of a choice. Right? Yeah. 
It's uh, the only thing I could make of it is was it a test? Well, that's what I was saying earlier. I think I mean it. It's Cole trying to see if he's too far gone because now, like, it's like an infection. Like when you have that level of grief, like imagine having that level of grief. Like someone takes your loved one like that, yeah. and so. You and you're a cop with considerable means, and apparently, like no police officer. Also, can touch after you. the serial killer gets on the phone and is like, "Hey, did you know she was pregnant? Oh, you didn't know? Yeah, fuck you. That is terrible. Andy fucked up the grandfather. Andy murdered your soon-to-be sister-in-law. Right. See, that's like oh. that's the level. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's the level beyond. Like that's the step up. And like once you like once you bring a once you bring family and once you bring a child into it, that's the step up. Like there's no more. Kim like Kim's gone like that's like that's how Batman becomes Batman you know like yeah Kim's gone it's just a husk of a man who is only fueled by revenge and I think that's yeah. why the well, in- the, the pregnancy part too because because she was still carrying the child <laughs> right that child is a blank slate for all of your hopes and dreams for the future exactly right? that mean- child could have been born and not made it something wrong blah 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 but because it's just this concept <laughs> it's this extra crushing now well, think, he has killed your theoretical future. Well, and I think that's what is so phenomenal about that ending scene where he's just walking through the rain is like he has this mm-hmm. like full breakdown in the rain. And that's like that's the that's the that's Kim coming back. Yeah. Like he comes back and now he's in this body that he's like been able to like sort of turn off. His brain has been able to turn off. and He's just been this killing and hunting machine. Now he's back and he has to actually deal with the grief and the true horror yeah. of what's ha- what's become of his life. Like I'm sure absolutely none of the legal consequences are coming into play here, but nevertheless, <laughs> the thought of simply having to go through life without and knowing that like while you might have completed your task, that leaves you that leaves you with nothing. Like you're still left yeah. at the end as a, as a somebody with nothing. Like that is probably the more yeah. terrifying aspect of the whole thing. Well, to sit there and hear his work play out, right? Right. He ties him up, and he just like one of the most hardcore moves calls this guy's estranged family to come and get him, which is kind of a weird flex because I feel like Cole wouldn't care about his family enough. No, I think it's just, I think it's more of a he's mad that the guy found out who his family like it was that he had found something else on him, right? Yeah, yeah. He had he had moved upon in a way he didn't see. Totally. But for that guy to be like, hey, I'm going to re-traumatize three other people walking through the rain. And then he really, yeah, like he said, it's over, realizes that nothing is better. <laughs> and in fact, a bunch of things are worse. That that father-in-law could die. Yeah. Right? The stepsister is dead. His wife's not coming back. Uh, at least four or five other people are dead now because of this. So... You know, I mean, like, here's a great example, right? That the kind of gray area of this movie happens when, because uh, one, when the guy wakes up in the grave, too, when when Cole wakes up in the grave, it's with a fucking envelope full of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so he's setting this up as gamesmanship. He whoops this dude's ass so easy, has him in a bag, can just kill him. No, lets him up, gives him an envelope of money. The next thing we see is he, you know, gets in a car. The car's full of other murderers who stop for some reason. Yeah. And this brutal fucking knife fight happens in the car. Cool scene makes no sense, right? So Kim finds that and he's like, ah, well, they were already murderers, you know, and they had a dead body in the trunk. Not a huge deal. Right. I don't have to feel that bad about that. Right. In a way, by letting Cole survive, he took 
two other scumbags out of the world. He's he's a good guy, right? When he goes to the doctor's office, we can presume that he kills the doctor after he gets his arm fixed. <laughs> and then he takes it as the nurse's looking down on him right he's not enough for her this creepy disgusting old man hitting on her Mm -hmm. tricks her into coming to the back and then just like a fucking monster is like strip he's traumatizing this girl and has killed a doctor who does good in the world that is specifically kim's fault yeah now i was gonna ask you do you agree with me that that is kim's fault right or not necessarily because the police still haven't caught cole so is it all the way his fault? What are the ethics of that to you? I mean, I guess it's not all the way his fault, but... I mean, he has a chance to stop bad things. Yeah. And doesn't, because he wants to play a game. I think that's the separation. I Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of... Uh, hmm, how would you say this? The moral gray area is pretty intense, I would put it that way. <laughs> like... yeah. I, I I think it's not that he it's not that it's fully his fault. He's not uh he's not the one like it's like the person like it's like someone who shoots somebody, like the person who sells the gun isn't the person who did it, but you know, maybe he's a little bit responsible. Yeah. That's obviously a second amendment thing and I don't want to get into that. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's like it's like guilty no hot takes. It's like guilty by almost omission. I, I'm not really sure yeah. how to put it. It's strange because you could make the argument that if he stays home, Cole's going to keep committing all these crimes, so eh, not that big of a deal. But you could also make the argument that he has in his hands the exact evidence and way to end it right now, right? And this is the other fun thing the movie does is it it questions the the greater concept of justice, period. Right. Right? And then even after he traumatizes that nurse, right? Take your clothes off, whatever. Kim walks in, whoops his ass, cuts his Achilles, which was one of those. I was like, I can't do that. Achilles cuts and eyeball stuff in movies. I can't do. He makes the nurse fix this fucking guy. Yeah. Makes the nurse fix him. So that is Kim kind of abusing her again to me. Yeah. Right. He doesn't ask her or let her decide. He fucking said, you have to mend him. You can't go anywhere. That is one of those first steps. It's, you know, once you take the first step towards the dark side forever, does it dominate your path fucking moments? Right, yeah. <laughs> and it culminates in the cannibals, right? When you hear him talk, and, and the cannibal has that fantastic line where he's like, oh, he's one of our kind. He's enjoying the hunt now, right? right. This is a right. catch and release game to him. Right. And I think it's one of those scenes that's really cool because at, it's one of the times where his plan's not going super well, Kim. Yeah. But... He doesn't stop or change his methods, right? He's still committed to this game. And I think Kim, for the first time, has to kind of accept that he is in that regard. Right. Right? And by the end of the movie, I think he's all the way gone. Oh, he's absolutely. Like, so here's the question. Is is he enjoying this, or is this just no. his way to get around? Because I, I actually think Kim is enjoying it, if I'm honest. No. I think he might be one of their kind. I think he's one of their kind, but I also think that he doesn't. No, I I don't see it as pleasure at all. Like to me, it's uh, we talked about this with with uh, Cole. It's it's work. Like I think that's like the thing that like to me it's work. Like 
it's it's double duty. It's I'm a police officer. I'm a secret agent of some. I'm a national intelligence agent. So right, I have a duty like from the government to chase down bad guys, and then right. on a personal level, I have the duty to honor my family and seek vengeance where I see fit. So like, yeah. I, I I don't. But like, that's the thing is like he's bound by blood. So bound by a certain honor, bound by a certain honor to actually like finish the task at hand. I think it's a labor of love in some ways, but I don't think he's enjoying it at all. See, I I feel like the movie's trying to tell me that he is right with the him whispering in the ear, "Your nightmare's just beginning." This kind of because the the nature of revenge is different for all of us, right? And I right. think what the movie tells us by the end is. He didn't really get revenge, right? What he lost and what other people lost is more than what Cole lost. Cole was already a broken version of a man, right? Right, Who had nothing to live for and was just trying to hurt as many people as he can, right? There's that really cool kind of glossed over moment where him and the cannibal talked about how they met in this militia group and they were going to destroy the world together. Right, <laughs> and that right. kind of tells you where these guys were. Yeah. Which is, you know, they're just trying to hurt others because they feel stepped over. So you can't really take revenge on a man like that. And when he has him in that barn and he's smashing his head open, when he has that rock over his head, he could just smash him. Right. Right. And even when he doesn't smash him, he could just keep he could break every bone in his fucking body, wake him up, burn his nuts off. All of these things. But. You know, it's not going to ever be perfect revenge. So I think he knows that really early on. In fact, I think he learns it when he fucks those first two dudes up. Well, he yeah. literally chokes a guy with the cord, whips him with the cord to embarrass him, and then fucking breaks his nuts and dick with a wrench. Yeah. No, and then he learns specifically that that's not the guy. I, so there's already a moment for him to pause and be like, wow, this is wrong. Like, I've been wrong twice. Sure. There's, and he doesn't. And he doesn't. Be, but that's but because it's a mission of revenge. Like, even if he's wrong, like, I agree. Like, you're, I agree with you 100% that he absolutely is one of these men. Like, he's no different than Cole. But the difference is that Kim's pursuit of justice is so internalized and so deep. It has nothing to do though with pleasure like that. I think is like, he's not enjoying it. He has to keep going though. Like when he finds out that he's fucked up, there's no conscience of like, Oh God, maybe I should stop. I really I fucked up twice now. Like the difference is, all right, I'll just keep going. Like I'll find this guy eventually. Like that is like the pursuit. Like it doesn't matter. Well, the who the or movie what also mask it in that these guys have already committed crimes. Sure, but I mean, like, so it's a way for him to try to gloss over right. It's the reality like this, of what he's. It's doing. like this convenient, <laughs> like moral. It's this convenient moral high ground that Kim might have, but really he doesn't at all. But that is like the more. But that's like that's how they keep explaining away like him not being like just arrested and thrown in the pokey because like he obviously is just like he's obviously a fucking psychopath. But they justify it by saying, "Oh well, these guys were bad anyway, so I guess he's doing some good." Like. It's one of those yeah. things. Where it's like fucking man on fire. Like it's almost the yeah. exact same. It's like you know what? Just stay out of his way. He'll get more done yeah. in a weekend than you'll get done in a lifetime. Like, but that's a classic justice idea, right? Where we're all sitting there. Why? Why is it slow and hard? Right? 
this guy killed someone. I think we all deal with this, right? Like, I do it all the time when I see, like, really bad drivers on the highway. Right. And I have my kids in the back, and they're whipping around. It's always guys in piece-of-shit cars, right? Right. And you're just like, it makes me mad that that guy will just keep driving forever and be fine. But yet, someday, you know, some decent driver, whatever, they're going to get hit by someone like him and suffer the consequences. Totally. And I'm always in my brain like, why can't there be karma? Why can't I see his tire explode right now? And he doesn't die, but like his little fucking hoopty runs out the roadway. And it's like it's just that's not how life works, man. Right. You know. And I think again, this movie does a great job of illustrating that this is just kind of a like our world in general. We like to think of it as time is flowing, new people, new ideas. Maybe we're just kind of a stagnant cesspool at this point. Right. Yeah. I mean, granted, every time we stop anywhere in this movie, there's just murderers and dead bodies everywhere. <laughs> so maybe it's just this neighborhood. Right. But. You know, and that's that's the other thing, too, is at what cost does his justice come? You know, I mean, there's a there's a lot of those ideas you have to grapple with. Yeah. And I think that's what makes that final image so beautiful. Right. As the opening scene is us driving through a snowstorm in the POV of a killer. Right. Who's kind of on the hunt. The final shot is him walking towards us without any kind of masking whose lens we're looking at. Right. Just watching this man realize that none of it mattered. Yeah. Like, I think that's like none of it mattered. That's like the lesson of the movie in, at, at large is that it's the futility of vengeance. Like, and really, this is like something that happens a lot in a lot of these movies, like in a lot of the great like Korean revenge films, like uh, Park Chan Walks, Revenge, like Vengeance Trilogy, like all those movies, like they all end with this sort of futility of vengeance motif. Like, yeah. none of it really matters. Like, there is no like. There is nothing that like makes you like, but the end of fucking old boy, that dude is like a that's broken. He's broken, tongueless. Like he's yeah. a, he's 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 a waste. Like he's done. Yeah. Like well, it's yeah. When the the fire and fury of revenge burns inside right. of you, it's that it just turns everything inside of you to ash. Right. I mean, it's that feeling of like when you yell at someone who really didn't deserve it, and then you get done yelling and you're like, oh god, why did I do that? I got to go apologize. Like that's like it's like this. That's what the movie. It's what a lot of like Korean films do so well is that the futility of vengeance. Once the fire quells down, you're like, Oh God, like I hate this. Like I have to like now deal with the consequences of my actions. Not like from a legal perspective, but like internally I'll never be the same person I was simply because like I allowed this hate and this anger and this fire to fill me for a certain amount for the briefest of moments thinking it would last my life. Like that I think is like the, that's like the true nature of revenge is that um, it's never it's never worthwhile. It's never like the feeling. No. There's never a feeling of there's never a feeling of doneness. And even if there is, right. it's it leaves you with this. It leaves you with this empty hole, like right in the center, you know. Right. And that's the thing. We all every great revenge movie shows us one thing, right? That the person who is broken enough to go down these paths of destruction has nothing left to come back to. Right. Right. Their world dies the moment the loved one who dies triggers this bloody massacre, right? Right. And so we all know. We're like, don't do it, guy. Just be cool. You know, it's like, hey, man, just go marry your sister. Still have the father-in-law. Like, live it up, man. You'll be all right. Like, you got a good job. You're good looking. You can fucking do karate kicks and shit. Right, right. But you're a good fighter. You have obvious an amazing set of skills. You're good with electronics and surveillance. Like, you're going to be fine, dude. Like, just do that. Right? Go live your life. But he doesn't, right? Right. No. <laughs> we all know where that movie ends. Yeah. And even knowing that, I have a wife and kids. You have a wife and kids. 
I would want to be him, right? At the end of that movie, Weeping, I would want to be the guy covered in blood weeping rather than just, like, having a tea like, well, I'm glad my new life is pretty cool, but I forgave that guy. Yeah. It's baffling. I mean, it's it's a contradiction of our own logic and common sense. Mm-hmm. And it even, especially the movie, even kind of stops to pause and just be like, do you really think this is what your fucking wife would want? Would your wife who loved you really be like, hey, can you, like, run through town and just keep, you know... Right. Fucking I mean, knee in this guy in the mouth and snapping arms. Right. No. I mean, I think that's like, but again, that goes back to, I mean, revenge and vengeance is a selfish action. Like, there's no way around it. Like, it's always the way it is. Like, there's never a time where, there's never a time where someone looks at them and looks at you and says, do this for me. Like, the, like those movies also always end with the person who actually carried out the task going, well, that was a waste of time. Like, those, like, yeah. there's never a feeling of, like, completion. No. Well, this one's really this one has a scene, too, that I love, which kind of sums the whole movie up to me, which is when he goes into the house, the police let him by. Right. Yeah. Like thinking that him seeing the consequences of what he's done is going to change him. Right. And the the father is sitting there all fucked up. He had his face smashed in by a weight. No guarantee he's going to live. Right. No. When he sees this guy who brought this to his doorstep, the first thing he does is he just grabs his hand, right? Bloody hand grabbing hand. And they just kind of look at each other, man. And Kim starts crying a little. And the father laying there beaten doesn't care as much because he knows that this guy was driven to be scared and hurt by Kim's revenge. Right. You know, he's complicit in this, this journey as well. And he doesn't seem to regret where this is going. Right. It's the opposite of what the policemen outside think that Kim will garner from this. Right. And that's that's the the troubling, puzzling thing is, you know, these characters who go on quest for revenge. Against the wills, probably, of the people they're avenging. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the. And what I love is this movie doesn't really stop to say right or wrong. Right. And that that last line from Cole is great. Is like, do you really think you won? No one wins. There, no one there's wins. no winning in these moments, no, right? When, not in this. When something terrible happens, it just happens. We can't turn back the clock. We can't bring people back. Yeah. You know, we'll always have an empty hole inside of us. Yeah. You know, that's just how it is. And I, I like that this movie just kind of sits in there and says, hey, man, ponder. And while you're pondering, here are these fucking amazing action sequences <laughs> in one of the best movie villains of all time. Totally. Right? Yeah, absolutely. He's fucking fantastic in this movie. And, you know, I just it's it's beautifully shot. The pacing, the way they pace this movie out and just make like honestly, the scene when he's making that nurse undress, yeah. I just want to turn it off. It's so bad and so uncomfortable to sit and watch this man commit his fucking crimes. Yeah. This movie is it, it's cuz he takes you there. This movie is impeccably edited. Like, it's just, it's unbelievable. Like, I I think that ending scene with the guillotine and uh, where Cole's in the guillotine might be one of the best, like, best, like, tense edited moments in the movie. Like, you're waiting because it's like, you know what's going to happen. Like, that's like the best part of the whole thing. You know what's going to happen. It's going to happen. There's no way he's getting out of this. There's no, like, and (laughs) not only that, he's not loud enough. He's not able to say things loud enough to, like, actually, like. The tension is perfect, and then it happens, and you're like, oh, my God. And then, like, for a split second, you're like, 
I thought he was maybe going to get out of it. Like there was just like, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's because absolutely he's holding the ball in his mouth. Like, oh, I'm fucking, uh. yeah, but that's, but, and this is again, this movie is masterfully crafted in all aspects, right? That scene is a perfect summary of Cole's entire life and journey. Totally. Right. Tied down by things that he can't control screaming into the void. I'll fucking defeat you. But you all know how that story is going to end. Right. <laughs> he even when that scene perfectly mirrors when he's in the van and gets the call from the learning center and he has the van full of girls. Right. And he just goes, ah, shit. He knows how it's going to end. And he's like, I'll fucking take someone with me. Right. It's and that's what it's just it's it's hauntingly beautiful and shockingly disturbing. You know, all these cliches I can throw out. It's just it's just a masterfully done film. Totally. And I love movies that make you because not only are they just showing me grotesque things, the acting and the storytelling is so crisp. That I'm actually doing a lot of brain work while watching this horror show unfold. Right, totally. And that's what separates this one from your average action flick to me. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this is like, it's the thinking of, it's it's the thoughts and the pondering on revenge itself. And like, as things transpire, like, how far are you willing to take this that really make this movie, uh, really make this story head and shoulders kind of above other revenge stories? It's pretty yeah. cool. And at the end of the day, when you watch this, at the end of the day, I'm just doing all the cliches right now. In this film, <laughs> what we are shown is that you can see the devil everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere you turn, you can see the devil. And the movie kind of tells us you're always, you know, you could always meet him right around the corner. Right? Whether it's the media, a killer, sinking into your lesser uh, nature. It's just beautiful, man. It there's so much going on. It's so full and vast, and even at two two hours and twenty minutes, man, it it fills those minutes very well. It's amazing. All right, guys, that's it for I saw the devil. Uh, Ivan Ivan the boneless, the bone, the boned, bone. I believe Kadeem bone. ninety five. What did I, believe, I say? I believe boneless. <laughs> yeah, let's see. I got it here. Ivan the boneless, Kadeem underscore ninety six on Twitter. <laughs> Thank you so much for your excellent fucking selection, good, man. Good pick. Great. Blend. Brilliant, brilliant so pick. Good. Great addition to the Film Alchemist uh, library. Uh, guys, still time to get your suggestions and find us on any of your social medias. However you get a hold of us, please go rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, especially find us on YouTube, Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end. There's no We'll be back. There. Yeah, we'll be back next time uh, with fan suggestion hell or high water from my dear friend Marlon Torres until then uh, for the film alchemist I'm Josh I'm Alex Dan